Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 340 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Karen Cahill. Karen is from England. She was raised in New Zealand, has lived all over the world, but she now lives outside of Atlanta. Welcome, Karen. Thanks, Jen. So excited to finally be here and have a chat with you. Well, I just realized I forgot to ask what you do. (laughs) I never forget to ask that. Tell us what you do. (laughs) So in my previous life, I was a teacher I taught elementary school in New Zealand, and then I, when I moved to Asia, I taught English, and so a lot of teaching. And then when I came to the United States, I just decided to give something else a try. So for the last 20 or so years, I've worked in the advertising industry, 
project management. Currently, I work for a small digital advertising agency in Atlanta. Um, my official title is executive assistant to the CEO, but we're a small company, so everybody wears a lot of hats. I do all sorts of different things there and uh, very lucky to have a job that I love and work with amazing people. Do you get to do the creative parts as well, or is that something you do? So, no, and we're not really a creative shop. We're digital, a lot of analytics and that sort of thing. So previously, I worked for a big creative agency, but once again, I was sort of in the, worked with the analytics team. So that's why I like the data. <laughs> Show me the data. <laughs> I like data too. I totally get that. You know, when I was in the classroom, when we would do the, the state testing, I was taught early in my career, like literally in the 90s. I mean, very, very early, we were analyzing data. Our principal was big on that. And I always loved to do like a disaggregate analysis or whatever. I, I don't know. <laughs> it was fun. And when I wrote my dissertation for my doctorate, most people who are getting a doctor of education tend to go towards the qualitative research. But I was like, oh, no, I'm quantitative all the way. I want to analyze some data. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I hear you talk about all your data from your, you know, weight losses, ups and downs and all the figure facts and figures. And yeah, I'm kind of that way too. Yeah. Well, I love it. So anyway, nice to get to know you better. And I, don't, I can't believe I forgot to ask you. We were <laughs> talking and I didn't write it down. So, you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? So everybody has a really long story. Mine is not really as long. I have been overweight all my life, struggled with my weight all my life, but not really a yo-yo dieter. And in 2004, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and, you know, all the stuff that goes with that and being thrust into early menopause at 40 and all of those things. And really, to be honest, I just thought, this is me. I'm not going to be able to ever get rid of this weight. So really, why try to make my life miserable by doing that? So a couple of things happened in the fall of 2020. So my boss had been actually telling me about his brother who did not enjoy very good health. And we talked about it quite a bit and his brother was in and out of hospital. And eventually he sadly passed away. And being about the same age, it started to really get me thinking that really I had to do something to get my health under control. So also around that time, I had a couple of episodes with kidney stones. And if you've never had a kidney stone, I have not miserable. It is honestly worse than childbirth, literally. That's what you it's hear. Terrible. Yeah. And so on one visit to the emergency room, the doctor said to me, you really need to drink more water and stop drinking soda. And I'm like, yeah, I don't drink soda. And then when I got home, I thought about it. I'm like, hmm, I have been drinking more gin and tonics during COVID than I usually would. All right, well, I'll quit. So it was really those two things. And so I stopped drinking completely for like three months. And I started doing that awful calorie counting, which was miserable miserable calorie counting and not drinking I mean miserable <laughs> but I persevered <laughs> for like three months and I lost like 35 pounds I'm like what 
And how, how much did you weigh when you so started? Do you remember? I was probably above 300, like close to 310. Yeah. Oh, wow. And at my heaviest. And so I thought, wow, if I can lose weight by doing this, like then maybe it's something I should consider more. And still really at this with a, with a health focus, right? So you had never, I wanted to explore that for just a second, what you talked about before. You had been overweight all your life. Like, from, was it from childhood? Uh-huh. When do you re- first remember feeling, huh, my body is different? I was a big kid. And then, you know, in high school, yeah. I was always bigger. and But it just didn't, I was pretty active. I played sports. Like, it didn't really bother me. You just never thought about dieting. Like, you never were like, I got to do something no, about this. No, not really. So, so there's been no yo-yo dieting in my, in my history. Right. I heard that you said that, and I thought that was interesting just because so many of us come with, like, years and years of the yo-yo. And, you know, for the first time that you were like, okay, time to try something to be at this point is just, you know, that actually you know, shows you have had great confidence, I guess, over the years. You're like, well, this is just it's who I am. Me. And then, so I really you know, applaud once, that. once I was sort of into early menopause, I just thought, oh, well, this is what happens, right? And of course, I couldn't do hormone replacement or anything like that. Because of the so, breast cancer. So anyway, I lost 35 pounds with, as my boss calls it, fork management, <laughs> which, as I said, was <laughs> miserable. And then I was on Facebook one day and I saw a post from our friend Susan Metz, who's a new gal. Oh, I love her. I know that you've met and spoken to Susan. And she started talking about intermittent fasting in this group. And she's like, well, you should join and everything. And so I thought, okay, I'll join. And I guess I started probably in April of 2021. So I started, I read the obesity code first because, you know, all the sciencey stuff. And then I read Fast Feast Repeat and then I couldn't get enough of it. So I went back and did Delay, Don't Deny. And then I read Graham's book, Fasting Highway. So I read all this stuff and I thought, well, you know, I, I can do this. I don't like breakfast. It's not a big deal. So I started. And when I started... We Kiwis, we do like our morning cup of tea with a splash of milk. And I didn't give that up. I still had the splash of milk every morning. So I did that for probably, I don't know, probably about maybe four or five months. And I saw great success. I was doing probably a 20-hour fast and a four-hour eating window. And I started pretty aggressively. I quite liked it. You know, it wasn't difficult for me. I was still not really clean fasting because I was having that splash of milk in my tea. And then the further I got into it, the more I'm like, come on, girlfriend, you can clean fast. So I stopped the milk in the tea and I discovered that actually I don't like black tea. So I thought, well, why don't you try black coffee? How bad can it be? And it was pretty bad for the first couple of months. But then I started putting like a pinch of Himalayan sea salt in it. And so now I'm a total convert and always have my, you know, my black coffee. I got mine right here too. So once I really started clean fasting, you know, a lot of people say it became a lot easier. I'm not sure that I really saw a huge difference, but then I had so much weight to lose. I think my body was just grateful for any change. Yeah. Any kind of break. And so that's how I started. And 
That's awesome. So how was the weight loss for you? You know, I think it's interesting for someone who had not ever had the history of, of dieting, you know, like we put our bodies through a lot, you know, all those things that I did, the diet pills that I took from my doctor, the HCG that I also got from a doctor and all the low calorie crash diets and everything. We put our bodies through a lot over the years, but you had not done that. So how did the weight loss go? Yeah, so I lost a lot of weight in 2021. I can remember in October of 2021, I was down to 235. And then I just sort of kept going. I changed really. So the protocol that I've done really mostly is OMAD with a very short eating window, generally about an hour, pretty short window. On the weekends, I give myself a four-hour eating window because I'm usually with my family or friends and there's food and alcohol. So that the no alcohol is three months, okay, three months. But now I allow myself, I don't drink during the week, I allow myself to have a cocktail, glass of wine on Friday night or Saturday night when I'm hanging out with my friends and family. Still the gin and tonics, that's just that's just very British. When I think of gin and tonics, and I think so of delicious. the British. And guys, you know, yes, I never have liked guys gin. Isn't that weird? Because of the quinine and the tonic. Well, so the tonic. I'm covering yeah, all that. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. Maybe I need to start drinking tonic. I heard like malaria is in the United States or something all of a sudden, like in Florida. I don't know. So I'm like, oh, maybe I could just drink tonic with lime in it because I'm not drinking <laughs> alcohol. But... <laughs> tonic with lime might just be my new my new thing. That would be a good mocktail, yeah. right? And I um the way I ate changed because the foods okay. that I craved were so different. I craved all the vegetables, lean protein. I craved carbs less and less. I really tried to clean my eating up. So cutting down on those heavily processed foods, just eating real foods, 90% of my shopping on the perimeter of the supermarket. And those are the things that I love to eat. Like those are my go-tos. That's what I eat all the time, real food. And I find if I don't eat a nutritious meal, so like if I'm somewhere and we have pizza or whatever, the next day my fast is a lot harder. Yeah. Your body didn't get the nutrients. Yeah, I haven't served my body nutritionally. And that's really what I try to do now when I eat. I try to think of how does this serve my body nutritionally? Does that mean I'm not going to eat a piece of cake? No, I will. But it's something that I've baked and I know what goes in it, right? I'm not going to do a Twinkie or a whatever those other horrible things are. that. Did you see my post yesterday in the community about the book Ultra Processed People? I don't think I've seen that. Yeah, yesterday was July 4th, so I was like, my beach read was ultra-processed people, which is probably not, like most people are reading on the beach, but it came out yesterday. It was downloaded on my Kindle because I had pre-ordered it, and the guy who wrote it is out of the UK, and it's really interesting. I mean, you know, the whole summary of the book is, huh, ultra-processed food really is a lot worse for us than we thought, and it's for so many reasons that were actually unexpected. (laughs) That's basically the gist of the book. And it's like so many things, like it's basically pre-digested in so many ways. Like if you eat a Pringle, for example, you know, that's very, very different than a potato that you roasted in the oven with olive oil. 
And it's fascinating to read the whole history of the concept of ultra-processed foods. And you've read Fast Feast Repeat. Have you read Cleanish? Yes. It's right over here on my bookshelf. <laughs> I can't remember if I talked about it in Fast Feast Repeat or not, because the study just came out in 2019. And that's when I was writing Fast Feast Repeat. But in Cleanish, I talked about a study. The guy's name was Kevin Hall. And he's done a lot of nutritional research. And his was the study that was so important about ultra-processed foods where they, like, let people eat as much as they wanted, no calorie counting. But these people were eating ultra-processed foods. These people were eating real foods. And they were, like, matching them, like, the composition nutritionally. But the difference was ultra-processed versus real. And what was fascinating to me is the researcher, Kevin Hall, he actually, his hypothesis was, it's not going to make a difference. It's the same nutritional. He was like, basically, calories in, calories out, macros, it's the same. It shouldn't matter. So he was not expecting the result. That's my favorite kind of science. You know, when the researcher has a bias going in and they actually prove the opposite of what they thought would happen, you know it's a strong study. So he was like surprised to discover that the people who were eating the ultra-processed food naturally ate 500 calories more a day. No one was trying to eat less. No one was trying to restrict. They weren't like chained, but they just naturally ate less food and felt more satiated and they naturally lost weight. And just hearing the whole way that, because I, I was familiar with the study, but hearing, you know, how the guy came up with it and why, and that he wasn't expecting to find that, that was so interesting. Real food makes yeah, such a difference. I think, you know, I mean, I grew up, in pretty much in New Zealand. I mean, we had our own vegetable garden. Everybody eats pretty healthy. I mean, we didn't ever go out to eat. We didn't eat fast food. Or we, I mean, if we went out to eat, it was a treat, right? We didn't have fast food. So we just really did eat those kind of real healthy foods. And for me now, you know, like I say, those are the things I crave and the things that I seek out to eat. And that's one thing that I really love about uh, fasting is that it's changed the way I look at food and I look at nutrition. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who have been interested in fasting and, you know, you chat to them and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, I don't think I could give up my diet soda or yeah, I don't think I could give up my Doritos or whatever. And I'm like, well, there's a reason those are going to be hard for you to stop eating because they're made to make you not feel full and want more and more and more. When you explain to people the sort of the science behind that, they're like, oh my gosh, I never thought about it that way. But it is, it is really very, very interesting. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10.
If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. And sugar is another one. Like, for me now... If it's my own homemade baking, I might eat something, but I would much rather have berries than anything else. I crave those. That to me is sweet mixed with a bit of Greek yogurt. Like that's a great dessert or some heavy yeah, cream. I love berries, a little heavy cream on top. Yes. So good. Fantastic. So Fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, those are the things I sort of seek out and, and really have you know, have done really since early on in fasting. I think it changed my whole outlook. We had ice cream yesterday. Chad bought it for the fourth and it was so sweet. Like I'm now used to like the daily harvest smoothies. They're sweetened with dates and, you know, and no, no added sugar of any kind. They don't add like maple syrup or anything like that. And so that ice cream was, I was like, this ice cream is so overly sweet. Like I didn't really need very much of it. Yeah, I'm not a big ice cream fan, except when I go to the beach. When I go to the beach, I want to seek out that little kind of small homemade ice cream shop. And I always get a couple of scoops during the week at the beach. I like it at the beach and I like the really good ice cream. From New- Coming from New Zealand, we have the best. Oh, gosh, I bet you do. Dairy, cheese, I bet. ice cream. Oh, my gosh, it's amazing. So that's really the only time I, I get into the ice cream. And I love it, you know. Yeah. I love it too. <laughs> I just and I live at the beach, so I have to be careful because <laughs> when we first moved here, I had that problem last year because I was like all the associations we have with the beach and being on vacation, I felt it like every single day. Like it's party time, it's having ice cream time. So I like really had to tighten things up at the end of last summer and reel it in a little bit. Luckily now I'm like, okay, this is where I live now. <laughs> it's yeah, finally I actually while we were at the beach, I was with my sister and a couple of girlfriends and I still fasted nineteen, twenty hours a day. What was hilarious is, you know, in the morning you're packing up to go down to the beach. I've got my water, my sunscreen, my towel, my hat. And they're all like, oh, let's take this and we'll bring this snack. And I've got some of this popcorn. I'll bring some cheese sticks. Let's make a cooler so it all stays cold. And I'm like, okay, guys, let's go. Let's go. That's a, I have not eaten on the beach. I can't think of the last time I ate on the beach. Literally, I'd never, t- like, I have not eaten. All- I never thought about that, but you're right. Everyone on the beach is snacking and I don't eat on the beach. I do always have a beverage. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, during my eating window, you know, we had the most beautiful charcuterie boards. Oh, yeah. Cheeses and, all, and I ate everything. Mm-hmm. I drank all the wine. I mean, it was fantastic. But I wasn't stressed out about it. I came back a couple of pounds up. And then by Wednesday or Thursday of the next week, it was 
back to normal again. So See, and I love that you kept your normal fasting routine because a lot of people think they can't. You know, we have this whole built up like, well, I'm at the beach now. It's a special occasion. I need to eat breakfast with everybody and I need to eat snacks on the beach. And then you feel so bad. But I bet you felt great the whole time. Yeah. And this is the one thing I know about fasting is I feel better when I fast. On the odd occasion, I will break early and have lunch if it's with something, you know, something with a friend or a work do or something that's, you know, important and I want to be part of the group, you know, I will have lunch and I'm kind of miserable for the rest of the afternoon. So for me, I feel so much better when I fast and that's, I'm lucky, right? I never clock watching. I'm never like, oh my gosh, is it nearly time to break? You know, I can fast for a long period of time pretty simply because I know I feel better. That's so important. And, and really, when you focus in on how you're feeling, instead of the emotional like, well, everybody else is having a snack. I sure do like snacks. You're like, nope, I'm fasting and I feel good. And you know that if you had that snack, you wouldn't feel as good. Exactly. That's the motivator is how you feel. Exactly. Yep. And yeah. I love it. Yep. Well, Sherry, my co-host on the new Fast Feast Repeat Intermittent Fasting for Life podcast, <laughs> she's coming to, to stay with me at the beach in two days, and she'll be here for five days, so I'm so excited. That's gonna, very exciting. You and, you know, of course, she's an, she's an intermittent faster, so I'm trying to figure out how we're going to structure our day in a lot of great restaurants to go out to eat, but they get really, really crowded around like six. So I'm going to try to talk them into like being like the early bird people. <laughs> we'll be there with the... the <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to do the opposite thing. of what most people do. Most people, they get out there early on the beach and they're out there and then they all go in. And so we're going to go to dinner early and then go out on the beach later because that, that nighttime on the beach when everybody's gone in is like early evening is like the very best time. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. I hope well, we'll you guys see. have a great time. Well, I think we will. We'll try to do some active things during the day. I know we have kayaking on the agenda, but it's really nice to be there with people who are intermittent fasters, so, but who also it. love food as much as I do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm lucky. My friends are, you know, my family, they're, they all know that it's just what I do. So there's no, nobody's like, they're just like, make sure she has water. Make sure we've got extra water. And, you know, they get their snacks out and they're filling up my water jug. And I'm lucky that I've got great support and, and that people, you know, aren't trying to tell me that I'm starving myself. That really is important, having the support, no one pressuring you. And that's what it really comes down to is knowing that you can take care of yourself and no one else is going to bat an eye and you're doing what feels best for you and they get it. So how much weight have you lost overall at this point? So 135 pounds. Wow. I know. I that's know. amazing. It's like a whole person. It is. You've lost me more. Right. More than, than me. Yeah. Right. It's a great new way of life. I find a lot of things so much easier. Um, you know, I've traveled quite a bit this past few months. And Graham and I often talk about this, like how much easier it is to travel as an intermittent faster and somebody who's not 135 pounds overweight. It's so much easier. You know, going out is so much easier. Going out to restaurants is so much easier. Navigating public transportation is so much easier. Everything seems simpler now, which is really, really good. So, yeah, it's a big weight loss. And I'm okay if I'd never lose another pound. I mean, the charts and the doctors and all, you know, those BMI, all that kind of stuff says I'm probably still 20 pounds too much. But 
I don't really care. I feel good. I'm healthy. My doctor's thrilled. My blood work's fantastic. I've reversed high blood pressure. I've reversed non-alcoholic fatty liver. My teeth are amazing. My skin's fantastic. My eyes are better. My arthritic knee is better. Like all of those things, I've seen market improvement. And so I'm happy. I'm Have you ever happy. plugged your numbers into the Smart BMI website? I don't know if I've used that one. I, I really one. I like it. It's Renfo scale, you know, and so it tells you you should be this and you should be that. The Smart BMI, you just Google it, Smart BMI, and plug in your age, your height, and your weight. And I bet you it would tell you that you are at a healthy weight and that you don't need to lose any weight because it, it takes it takes our age as a factor. Right. And but as you know, the interesting thing is, you know, the plateaus that everybody is having a hard time with, and they are difficult, right? You're doing the work and you're not seeing the number on the scale. But I mean, I had a plateau of about six months where wow. I didn't lose a pound, but I lost two clothing sizes. See, that is so important. I want to highlight that because I talked about this in the scale schmale chapter of Fast Feast Repeat. And it's at the very end, I think, of that chapter. And, you know, we've got all the ways to measure progress. The scale is one. And the scale number is just the sum of everything in your body reflected. And what's in your body changes over time. If you're building muscle, if you're losing fat, if you're maintaining, you know, higher water fluctuations going on here and there. But we also have progress photos, the size of our body as our clothing sizes and measurements indicate. And I really, really tried to emphasize at the end of that chapter that if something is changing, your body is changing. It doesn't matter if, like, let's uh, people get hung up on what isn't changing and forget to pay attention to what is. Like, if your scale number is exactly the same, the same, the same, the same, but your clothing size is going down dramatically, something is changing. If the scale is going down dramatically, but your clothing size hasn't changed, something is changing. So instead of focusing on what isn't, focus on what is. Yeah, it's a case of really trusting the process. And I think that that's something that a lot of people that come to intermittent fasting sort of early on in their journey find difficult. So for me, I know that my body will always know what to prioritize at the time. My body is very smart. It's not going to let me down. So it knows what to prioritize. And if the number on the scale is not moving, but I'm getting smaller, then it's doing its job. And so trusting that process and not getting hung up on the plateau, even though I know it can be a little discouraging for people, especially if people are a daily wearer, you know, and if you're not used to that up and down, and if you don't use the Jim Stevens method of weighing for a week and taking the average, which is amazing. And life changing. Everybody should do that. You just have to trust that your body is not going to let you down. Yeah, our bodies never do let us down. And that's the part that's so hard for some of us to understand because you feel like, you know, when you're gaining the weight, when you're obese, you feel like your body has betrayed you in some way. And then when it's hard to lose the weight, you're like, again, my body is betraying me, but it's your body protecting you. Somehow your body has decided it needs to have this extra weight to protect you. Maybe you've got a lot of toxins it's stashing away, or you're eating a lot of ultra-processed foods and your body's stashing it away and sending you that eat more signal, 
right? Because your body is like literally starving for nutrients. And so your body is always trying to do what's best for you. And being able to really listen and say, okay, what are you trying to tell me, body? Yeah, like listening to your body. Before intermittent fasting, I've never been able to listen to my body. I couldn't hear it. (laughs) It was not speaking to me. Now, I totally know what my body's saying. It says to me, before I eat that piece of pizza, Karen, you can eat that piece of pizza and it might be amazing and you're going to love it. But tomorrow, your fast is going to be a little bit harder. Or if you eat those sweets right before bed, it's okay. You can do it. But your restless legs are not going to play up, right? So you know it and you make your own decision. But more and more, I make decisions based on how am I going to feel because I know what my body's telling me. And you get very in tune to those signals and those messages. And I think that's one of the amazing things about IF is is that I can finally hear my body. And you want to feel good. And so you're making decisions based on that. You know, that's like like me with, with choosing to not drink alcohol probably anymore. You know, I couldn't sleep for a long time as I went through menopause. And then, then I got on hormone replacement therapy. And finally, I could sleep. But then I realized, well, alcohol, when I drink alcohol, even with the hormone therapy, I still can't sleep. So I'm like, I was so excited to be able to sleep again that I'm like, well, then why am I drinking and I can't sleep? And then I feel awful that I wake up feeling really bad. Like I had friends in town and I guess May, college friends. And our whole history of being friends from college is drinking a lot when we're together. And one night we were up really, really late. I drank way more than than I normally would. I probably went to bed around one or two and I woke up at six. I felt so bad. I felt like like I was physically ill. And I'm like, why'd I do that? Yeah, I totally agree. Like now I know how my body's going to respond. If I choose to eat that thing or drink that extra wine or drink that extra gin and tonic, okay, but you know, you're not going to feel your best next morning. And so oftentimes I'll just say, mm, no, I'm done. Yeah. I don't want that, that day was yeah. pretty much a turning point because I'm like, I'm so used to sleeping through the night now and waking up feeling refreshed that I reject feeling like this. I'm like, all right, I'm maybe 53 years old, almost 54, but finally, I'm like the slowest learner in the world. I'm like, all right, I finally get it, body. Thank you for continuing to send me that message. Our bodies really are smart. Yes. And good sleep is so important because, yeah. you know, that's one of the cornerstones of your health. And uh, if you're not sleeping well, it shows through in all areas of your life. Yep, exactly. So you mentioned before that you're pretty much one meal a day with a short window longer on the weekend. You did that pretty much the whole time? Yeah, I started off like 20 and four. I'm, I'm kind of a rip the bandaid off girl. And so that's how I started. And then it morphed into one meal a day. So I'm an OMAD fan and I do have a pretty short eating window. I generally eat between four and five-ish. That's kind of where I usually end up. I don't like to eat late at night because then I don't want to go to bed with a full stomach. So that's kind of my sweet spot. But at the weekends, like I say, you know, I have a longer window because my family and friends don't necessarily want to eat at four o'clock. 
that want to eat it. Well, I also, I think that variability is really important. Like I I don't recommend a a one hour daily eating window, like every single day, 365 days of the year. You got to, got to vary it a little bit. So having the slightly longer or the longer window on the weekends, I think is really, really good for your body in general. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, I know you ask sometimes what the struggles are. And I think for me, one of my struggles is varying my fast time. So I do it on the weekends, but during the week, I keep the very same sort of schedule. And, you know, sometimes I think, oh, maybe I should like switch it up. Maybe I should try a modified ADF. Maybe I should try a lunchtime window. But I always end up gravitating more to the, the time that just fits my life better. So it's kind of hard for me to switch that up. Um, you know, some people say, oh, if you go out for lunch with friends, you could just have the lunch and that could be what your one meal a day. But then at five o'clock, I'm looking for something. Here's the thing about switching it up, when you need to and when you don't. If somebody is plateaued at a weight where they are not happy and they think, huh, I've been having 23-1 pretty much every single day that's probably why you're plateaued. And if you would like to lose more weight, you're going to need to switch things up. However, if you're 23-1 every single day and you're at a weight where you feel really good or you're happy to stay there, you don't need to lose more weight, you like the way you feel, your body isn't like sending you signals to binge because those are all the the key or the signals that it's you're over-restricting if your body tells you eat more, eat more, eat more. You get the urge to binge if you start to feel bad. That would all be, you know, signals that what you're doing is not working. But if you feel good and you're happy, there's no reason why you shouldn't stick with the window that feels good. It's just a matter of we do tend to plateau if we reach homeostasis. And if that's not where you want to be, that's where the switching it up comes in handy. So I'm not against a short window if you're happy with where it takes you. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I'm happy with it. It's where I feel comfortable and it just works for my life. So so don't switch it up unless you have a goal. <laughs> if there's right, a reason, right. like know why you're switching it up, right? Yeah, for sure. I guess sort of I've become that kind of creature of habit with my fasting. And when you find a spot where you feel good, you just, you know, you tend to just repeat it. <laughs> Absolutely. There's the repeat, fast, feast, repeat. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, we tweak it when we need to, but it all depends on your goals and what what you're looking for and what what you want. So you'll never stop doing intermittent fasting. No, I won't. I'll never not fast. And I shared with you before we started recording that recently I lost my son and it's, you know, the most devastating thing that can ever happen to a mother. But for me, really, IF has really saved me in these last four months because that routine and that feeling that I have control over something, the rest of my world is like crashing and burning. But when it comes to my eating, I have that control. And I love that routine. It's a comforting thing, right? And it also gives you, makes you feel like, you know, I do have some power over my own life because I can control this. You know, it's not, I am the boss of food and eating. It is not the boss of me. So I tend to maybe be a bit of a control freak, but I really feel that it's, it's helped me get through these last few months. Well, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, I, I can't imagine it, right? As a mother, right? We all, we all can imagine it, but 
I'm sure that it's so much worse to go through it than even we can, we can fathom. And so yeah, you know, my heart goes going, out to you. Even when you're going through it, you can't come to terms with it. You just don't believe it. You know, you wake like up. How could day. this have happened? And you, you're like, how could we go back in time and this not happen? Are those the thoughts that you have? Or like, what could I have done? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you have all of the thoughts about all, yep. all of the things, but I actually have been in grief therapy and that's been so, so helpful. But definitely having the fasting in my corner has been something that's given me like a great deal of comfort, even though it's not something you think about. You know, when I really consider the role that fasting plays in my life, I now see that it has helped me and will continue to help me. So I'm so, so grateful that I found my way to this lifestyle. And yeah, I'll never not fast. Well, I'm grateful to hear that as well, because there's no greater stress than you, you can go through than the loss of, of a child. I genuinely believe that. And for fasting to have been a, a relief, one fewer thing to think about, you know, one thing that you can control when everything is spiraling out of control. I mean, that's really huge. That's an important component of your, of your mental health. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, we talk about the non-scale victories all the time. And for me, that's sort of a huge thing. Like, I'm not sure that I would ever be able to get out of bed in the mornings if I wasn't fasting. You know, I'm not sure that I would be able to leave my house and go to the grocery store. I just don't know how I would get through the days if I didn't have this routine and this security of fasting and the knowledge that it's something that's going to be there day after day after day for me. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's been literally a lifesaver for me. Well, I'm I'm really, really grateful to hear that because, you know, and as I, I said, I share that because yeah. a lot of people are going through really hard things in their lives. Right. And bad stuff happens to people all the time. And so I think if we can view this as sort of another of those non-scale victories that, that fasting gives us, if it helps somebody else get through a tough time, just to sort of focus on the routine and the, the control that you have, not the control that you don't have. Well, that's true. And also thinking of fasting as self-care, because so often when we're going through something stressful or hard, caring for ourselves can fall by the wayside. And also we can tend to turn to food for comfort. And that is like a, a dangerous spiral because you're, you're not caring for yourself and, and you're like soothing yourself with the food. And then that just, that doesn't lead to feeling better in the long run. So instead, you've had to deal with your feelings and, and face them. Yeah, you, oh, you, you do. You have to do the work. But for me, it's been something that has made this unbearable journey a little more bearable. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. And also staying connected with support groups. Yes, absolutely. I love the community that you have. I love Graham's Fasting His Highway. Facebook group. Facebook yeah. group. I've heard you talk about all the traumas that you have when you uh, had a Facebook group. Graham, he's got a handle on it because it's really Oh, special. look, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> The problems were behind the scenes. Y'all were not seeing that. Anybody that was in my Facebook groups, you didn't see it. We saw it. <laughs> because, you know, with post-approval, you see the crazy stuff. And back then, people could also edit their posts. After they had been submitted, they could change. Anyway, a lot of things happened that way. But 
there were a lot of things going on behind the scenes. You would get really, really ugly messages from people. Like to this day, if I see message requests, I don't like to look at them because I have that feeling. Like, like literally, it's almost like PTSD just because there was that one girl who said, I'm going to haunt you from ghost accounts until the day I die. That's awful. She was awful. And I'm like, oh my God, is she a psycho? Is she going to like find out where I live? And I mean, literally people are, are crazy in the world. And so yeah, I was like, I don't need... That's awful. I mean, and I get it. And it's a lot of work to run those. But, you know, being, yeah. as, as Graham calls it, connected to your tribe, I think right. is really important. You know, it's a place to go for support. It's a place where you can learn, but also where you can teach others. Because everybody's problems, somebody else has had the same problem before. That really is the key. What you just said, Karen, when you're supporting someone else, it strengthens you. Like, let's say someone is struggling with something. And you give them advice, by giving them advice, you internalize that advice. And if you've given it to someone else, you're more likely to follow it yourself. That's what I've learned over the years for myself. Me giving other people advice has only, I mean, it's helped me more than it's probably helped any, I mean, I don't know. I know it's helped a lot of people, but it helps yeah, you yourself. you get back what you give, right? Yes. You do get back yes. what you give. And yeah, I think staying connected to communities is important for me and for so many people. Even if like some people are just like, they call themselves lurkers, you know, they just read it all and they don't really post or anything. And then suddenly six months later, they'll be like, oh, I've been here for six months. And, yeah, you know, I just thought I wanted to post today. And, you know, that's great. It's great. I, I love when people pop out of their, I love when people pop out of their shell like that and, my advice would be for anybody who's lurking, and I know you're out there, comment. Break the ice by commenting because that's the best thing you can do. You can like somebody's post. You can like somebody's comment. But even just taking the time to post an emoji reaction or a gif or good job, that is like 10 times more meaningful than a like or, yeah, or something. And imagine if that person doesn't have a support system around them. Imagine if they've got a family that is not supportive or or can't accommodate their fasting for whatever reason. Like they may be turning to their IF community for those for that support and we should give it. Angie's list is now Angie and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. We absolutely should. And it just, you know, you, you'll, you'll feel more comfortable because you've, you've commented. And now you're like, oh, that wasn't scary. And then you can do it again. And then eventually you'll feel confident enough to make your own post. And, and we're not scary people. You know, I know you might get my teacher voice. Somebody today, she's like, did you just give me your teacher voice? I'm like, uh-huh. Because <laughs> I am not going to, you know, coddle you and tell you things that you think you want to hear. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear, right? 
You know, you know, Karen, elementary teachers, we, we, we have the voice. We have the voice. It comes out. We can't help it. You know, like, I'm just typing it. So if they could hear it, they're just typing. But, you know, that's the importance of having really good friends. And everybody think of me as your friend. And you, your good friend is not going to, like, just tell you what you want to hear. Your good friend is going to tell you the truth even when you don't want to hear it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's what we have in the power of, of our community. So you mentioned a few of your health victories, your non-scale victories. Do you want to dig into any of those you might not have mentioned or just summarize? So, I mean, I have a lot of things going on. I haven't had any more kidney stones since I've been That's amazing. I'll tell you that. That is the biggest win for me. So, of course, you know, being able to reverse high blood pressure, I mean, that was the first thing. And I'd been fasting for maybe four, six months, and I found that I was getting up in the morning feeling really dizzy and unwell. And so my doctor's like, well, let's cut your blood pressure medication back. So we did, and then... Four months later, I'm like, I'm still feeling the same. He's like, I think you can come off that stuff. So that's great. And, you know, the weird things that happen that people who don't fast are always very skeptical about, like, why did your eyes get better, right? (laughs) But they did. And now when I go to my dental hygienist, she's like, you are our A++. She's like, no tartar, no buildup, no nothing. And it's down to fasting because I eat in a small window After I've eaten, I floss, water pick, brush, done. Bam. And that's it. So (laughs) that stuff isn't sitting on your teeth. And that's good. My I have arthritis in one of my knees. And that is a lot better, a lot better. It still bothers me from time to time. But um, in general, my joints are so much better. I did have a lot of residual joint pain in my hands from the medication that I took when I had breast cancer. And I used to have a lot of swelling in my my joints on my hand because I have no lymph nodes under one arm. So that has completely gone. That's one thing that's really weird. Like when you feel your hands and your fingers and your hands feel so slim, it's a weird feeling. But if you're used to puffiness, if if, you you experienced fluid retention and now you're not, it does feel so different. The inflammation. Yeah. And that's a really good thing because we don't need all that. So yeah, I mean, all of those things and reversing the non-alcoholic fatty liver and just really, even though I do have some health issues, I had an overactive thyroid, which was a result of some virus or something. And then of course, to correct that, it swung me hypothyroid. So I do struggle with that still a little bit, although it's not as bad as it it was at all. But that is a little challenge. And I'm just hoping that by continuing to fast, these things will, my body will help correct those issues. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's so true. And, you know, I want to circle back to what you said about the, the high blood pressure and the medication that you were taking. And this is very, very common. So everybody, listen, if you are taking blood pressure medication... And you start waking up dizzy and lightheaded. It's so easy to say, oh, fasting is making me dizzy. No, it's probably your blood pressure is lower and the medication is now lowering your blood pressure too much. And that is why you're dizzy. So we hear that all the time. Fasting does not make you dizzy. But if your blood pressure is lower because of, of your medication, if fasting has lowered your blood pressure, now it's too low. So anyway, everybody just keep that in mind. If you're on high blood pressure medication, keep your eye on your blood pressure. And also, if you are, just I have a blood pressure, one of those blood pressure cuffs that connects to my phone. 
really, you can invest in one of those. I think you can actually pay for it with a HSA account as well. But monitor your blood pressure so that when you go to your doctor, you can say, hey, listen, um, here's my readings from the last two weeks. What do you think? So if you bring the data to the doctor, um, it's it's even better because then they don't have to rely just on that one reading the nurse took while you were waiting to see the doctor. Which, yeah, is which often, often is higher, higher, the white coat syndrome. Yeah, exactly. me, I, I'm always like when, as soon as I start doing anything at the doctor's office, my anxiety goes up. I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Exactly, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, take some data in and, and show the doctor, you know, I've been monitoring it for two weeks and this is where I'm sitting. What do you think? And don't decide yourself to come off your medication. Please. Oh, definitely not. You are not a 100%, 100% I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm not suggesting you lower your own dose of blood pressure medicine. Definitely not. Just instead, think, huh, I'm on this medication. I feel dizzy. Let me check it out. Let me talk to my doctor and come up with a plan because that's that's likely what's going on. Yeah, good tip there. So talk about how would you stay active in your daily life? What do you like to do? I'm not like the sporty girl. I mean, my idea of working out is sitting in the pool on a float, like using my arms to move Look, me from me one too. <laughs> Jumping way over waves and doing my arms like this yeah, is also my I idea have, of working out. Yeah. I have a pretty sedentary job, you know, I sit at a desk. I mean, yep. I try to get out, I try to walk the dog and, you know, my sister and I often joke that like getting our steps in is the best way to do that is to go to the outlet mall or something like that. So I really do want to start incorporating now some strength training into my yeah, As we get older, it's so important. Yep. So I'm actually looking to to do that just to sort of become more active. Also vibration plate. Do you have a vibration plate? I don't have one. I've heard you talk about them, but I haven't. I'm telling you. I mean, somebody shared something the other day in the community that they'd come across a study about vibration therapy and bone strengthening. Like it you know, can help keep you from having osteoporosis or help with bone density. And I'm like, all right, there we go. There's so many benefits. I have a couple of links um, at jenstevens.com slash life pro, or if you just go to the favorite things tab at jenstevens.com. One link I think is about how like vibration plates are as effective as walking. And another one, maybe about, I don't know, I know they've been doing some research into vibration therapy and like diabetes. It helps your gut. I mean, it really helps a lot of things. It sounds very woo-woo, but I don't like to call myself lazy. I just like to say I'm efficient, right? Well, yeah. Standing on... Don't think I'm lazy. Like I'm up right, I'm not lazy. No, we're not lazy. But yeah, I'm not lazy. I'm not lazy either. I'm efficient, but I don't want to go like work out. <laughs> it's boring. I'm sorry, but I can stand on the. I know it's not boring to everybody, but I can stand on the vibration plate and watch TV, and I know that I'm doing something good for my body. Anyway, just wanted to pop that out there. That's such an easy way to do a little something. Um, yeah, that's I'll like, look into that for sure. You're literally just standing there. People all the time are like, what do you do? And I'm like, I stand on it. I stand there. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> can't get any easier than that. So, <laughs> you know, what would you say is just the best part about intermittent fasting for you? Oh, no, that's easy. So the best part for me is that it's both routine and flexible. I love the routine of it. I love the routine of it. I love knowing that when I wake up in the morning, I have my coffee, I do my day's work. I just love the routine of not having to think about, or, or the routine of knowing that I'm fasting, right? But no stress. No, no stress. stress about food, yeah. Right. 
the flexibility is also wonderful. If I want to have lunch with somebody one day, I'm going to do it. If it's somebody I haven't seen for a while, I want to have fun and enjoy their company and eat really good food. So those are the sort of the two things. They're almost sort of on the opposite end of the scale, right? So it's the routine and it's the flexibility. And so yesterday we went to a friend's place for a 4th of July and we're in the water and my sister had said to me, well, are you going to break your fast? And I said, I don't know. Depends what they've got to eat, right? Now, knowing these friends, the food's always on point. So if I want to break my fast two hours early and eat what he's been smoking on the the big ring egg, I'm going to do it. That's going to happen. If they're serving Tostitos and cheese out of a jar, I'm probably not going to. No, not window worthy. Doesn't appeal to me that much. So it has to be, as you say, window worthy. So I, but those are the things I really love that, that it's a routine that my life likes, but I have flexibility. And also that I feel like food is no longer the boss of me. And I said that before, right? Right. Christmas, holidays, I can eat things that I usually wouldn't eat because I'm the boss of that. I'm the boss of making that decision. It is not the boss of me. Intermittent fasting empowers us is the way I like to look at it. And it's so funny because, you know, on the outside looking in for someone who has not experienced it, you're like fasting feels like restrictive and hard and you can't and you're not and whatever. But it it really, it empowers you in a way that eating all day long never did and trying to follow a diet never did. You have to really experience it to believe it. You really, really do. You do. And, you know, people that say, oh, you know, how can you enjoy the holidays if you're fasting? And I'm like, I'll enjoy them when I break my fast. Yeah. I enjoyed it up until then. I enjoyed it when I ate. I enjoyed it before, during, and after. I mean, (laughs) and how sad to think that the only way we can enjoy life is by what we're putting in our mouths. Exactly. Exactly. It's like drinking the alcohol. Exactly. Like, have a good time and not drink anything. Well, I had zero alcohol yesterday, and I enjoyed every bit of it, whereas last year on July 4th, I had a great deal of champagne on the beach watching the fireworks, and I'm pretty sure I was a little dulled and didn't enjoy it as much as I enjoyed it last night. So anyway, that was really cool. Well, we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting, or what do you wish you knew when you first started? That's a good question. I should have had my answer prepared. I've listened to all of your podcasts and listened to everybody say these things. Uh So for anybody who's just starting, I think really 28-day fast start. I I didn't do that because I didn't follow the rules, really. Well, it takes all kinds, right? I know. But, (laughs) But I think that's really valuable. Take the pictures, do the measurements. Give yourself that 28 days and don't stand on the scale. And when you stand on the scale after 28 days, if it's the same, don't or up. quit right. because you do have to trust the process. And the process works at different speeds for different people. It depends on you. It depends how much weight you've got to lose. Have you been a yo-yo dieter? What have you been eating in your eating window? All of those things. So I would say to really just trust the process. And if I'd known something them that I know now, it's probably that your body is going to change what kinds, the the foods that you crave are going to change. And so giving up the sugary snacks or the whatever it is you you like, whatever your thing is, it's not going to always feel that difficult 
because after a while you won't crave that. You'll want the berries or you'll want the healthier options because that's what your body craves. And so if I'd have known that going into it, it might have made it easier and feeling a little less restrictive. It takes the pressure away. It does. Yeah, it does. Well, Karen, thank you so much for sharing your story here today. You're welcome. It was great to talk to you. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.